Good morning or afternoon, evening to you all, dear brothers and sisters from all over the world, from wherever you're watching us in this moment. And also a very special greeting to all the people who are our first time guests in this sermon today. Welcome, welcome to you all. That our Almighty God, He be with each heart, with each life, with each thought, that the Lord be with you all, and that He manifests in your lives just as He has been doing so throughout all this time of the pandemic. God has not forsaken us. He has always been with us and has worked many miracles, hundreds and thousands of miracles the Lord is working and blessing all people without making any distinguishing any distinguishes between people because all he cares about is the heart and so all of those who are with me today as well a greeting to you with all my heart you may have a seat and so doing so we're going to begin our teaching but first of course we're going to sing to the lord without any music back any musical background only with the instrument we have which is our voice and we're going to sing to the lord we're going to open our hymnal books in hymn 75 and we shall sing hymn 75 since jesus came into my heart when god came into our heart and from there well the lord has been in our hearts dwelling so our prayers our petitions to god it is to ask him to always take us by his hand that he always keep us present that he may look upon us and hear us that he may lead us down the path of righteousness and the path of truth that he may lead us in this path of perfection and that he may take us by his hand this ought among other things should be what we ask our god so very happy and joyful praising our god with all our being let us sing to the lord Hymn number 75. Cuán glorioso es el cambio operado en mi ser, viniendo a mi vida el Señor. Hay en mi alma una paz que yo ansiaba tener, la paz que me trajo su amor. corazón soy feliz con la vida que Cristo me dio cuando él vino a mi corazón ya no voy por la senda que el mal me trazó solo encontré confusión mis errores pasados Jesús los borró cuando él vino a mi corazón él vino a mi corazón él vino corazón soy feliz con la vida que Cristo me dio cuando él vino a mi corazón ni una sombra de duda oscurece su amor Amor que me trajo el perdón, la esperanza que aliento la debo al Señor, cuando Él vino a mi corazón, Él vino a mi corazón, Él vino a mi corazón 
Soy feliz con la vida que Cristo me dio. Cuando Él vino a mi corazón. Glorified is our God. And how beautiful it is. We should sing to the Lord. To sing to our God anytime that you can. You can set aside time to praise Him, to pray to Him, sing to Him. Sing a hymn, sing a chorus, and do it with all of your heart. And don't think that maybe you need to be a professional singer to praise God. Do it with your heart, with all your soul, and you will see how God will be pleased with these things. Because worship and praise, well, God, it says that he created man to praise him. He created him to praise his name, to glorify him. But man let himself be strayed from that path, and then didn't use those tools God gave him to praise him, but rather people have twisted and strayed from the path, helped by the enemy, caused the hearts to be corrupted and to turn away from God. But now that God has had mercy of us and has given us this opportunity to know this path, we are now understanding and comprehending that the honor and the glory is for Him and that we ought to sing, praise Him, and always call upon His name. And in doing so, we will always have God's blessing every day of our life. Wherever it is we are, wherever we go, God will be with us. And so the honor and the glory is for our God. And today, we're going to start off with our teaching, or rather it is the continuation of our teaching in chapter number five of Galatians. We will be reading from verse one to verse 15. And if we have time, we will finish the chapter. But also we are going to continue with the topic that we were going over last week concerning liberty. Now, that liberty that our Lord Jesus Christ came and brought to the world. And that liberty or freedom was that in, the, in antiquity, God had formed a people, the people of Israel. And God placed commandments upon them, gave them commandments, some orders for them to fulfill, but they were not able to fulfill them, for they were very heavy burdens that God placed upon them knowing that they were going to have a rebellious foolish heart in the future and they and that they would not do God's will so God placed burdens that they could not carry this is why it became bondage for the people of Israel they were slaves to the commandments slaves to sin because the commandments and the orders of God forbid forbid them from doing certain things and activities certain acts and they were not able to fulfill. And so that's why it is said that they lived in bondage. They lived in slavery of sin and the devil. And freedom, liberty that we spoke of last week, this freedom God has given us, well, it was the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ who came to preach, who came and he died on the cross of Calvary. And he brought the good tidings. He brought a plan of salvation that was different through which today we are fighting for. We're fighting for this plan. And this is that freedom. Freedom is that which our Lord Jesus Christ spoke of and said, anyone who believes in him, that he is the son of God, that he is God himself, and that he is the only way that leads to eternal life. Whoever believes in that, that is freedom. And whoever follows that path is then free because they're no longer a slave to sin. Why? Because the Holy Spirit comes to the life of this man or woman and takes away that sinning tendency. And so they are free from slavery. They're no longer slaves to the devil because the Holy Spirit is the one who helps a person to live in that freedom. So that is the freedom that our Lord brought. So this is why in chapter 5 of Galatians, the Apostle Paul said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, 
And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So this freedom, he says, to stand fast in it. You've converted to the gospel. You've converted to this new plan of salvation, to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the way. He is the only one who mediates between men and God. He is the only one you must call upon, for he is the only mighty one who is able to intercede on our behalf. So it says, so all who has believed, all of those who have understood and have converted, he tells them, stand fast, stand fast in this liberty, because Christ has made us free. Verse number two, indeed I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. So the Apostle Paul once again reminds them that they, the majority, were living under the yoke of, of the law of Moses. And that in the law of Moses, there was no freedom, there was no liberty. But before we continue in this chapter, in Galatians, we're going to read the promise that God made in antiquity through his prophets, especially here in Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, who God spoke God spoke concerning the freedom that he would be sending in the future. In Isaiah 61, in Isaiah 61, in verse 1, we're reading 1 through 10, and God, through the prophet Isaiah, made a series of promises for the future, keeping in mind that for that time when Isaiah prophesied, all were under the yoke of the law of Moses. All were there confined and lived and had to keep those commandments and laws, the law of Moses. And so there, God used Isaiah to prophesy regarding the future and good tidings. And here in verse number 1, Isaiah 61, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Now, this is our Lord Jesus Christ speaking here because our Lord Jesus Christ was the Messiah who God sent now in the future, though. Now, we're reading in Isaiah, this is many centuries before, and in the future, God was speaking, and our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was now already speaking of what God had told him that he needed to do, the work that he needed to do, the ministry that he would need to begin and the construction of a temple of a church and to preach the good tidings to preach a new method of salvation this is why in verse 1 of isaiah the spirit of the lord god is upon me and these are the words of the messiah the lord because the lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Now, these captives, when he went to preach, bringing good tidings to the poor and to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives, now, this was not physical slavery that perhaps someone might say, well, the Lord here was saying that he was going to set all the slaves free and that he was going to free everyone from prisons. No, he is speaking in the spiritual sense, the captives of sin, those who were imprisoned or in prison, for that is how the devil had them. He had them dominated and slaves to sin and in prison because they didn't have the freedom to live a life of peace, to live a life of happiness and of joy. But it was a life of being imprisoned and closed in. And the Lord said that the God, the Father, said he would be sending the Messiah, the Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. He would be sent to carry out all of this work and to free those captives, to free those who were imprisoned. And in verse number two, it says, to proclaim 
the acceptable year of the Lord to proclaim those good tidings of salvation, the kingdom of heaven. This is why John spoke and said to the people, John the Baptist, when he preached, he would tell them, prepare your hearts, because after me comes the Messiah, the Savior, the promised one, who God promised from antiquity. He is coming. To the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now you will live a new life, a different life. So prepare yourselves so that when he appears, you are ready. Your hearts are ready to receive him. So in this year of the good day of or, or the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, it was to comfort all who mourn. But it was not the people who maybe had lost a loved one physically, but those who mourned, it, it's those who were sad, who had a sad heart because God had forsaken them. God had forgotten them all because they were all against the will of God. They were all failing and sinning before God. And this is why it was considered, or they were considered to be people, such as like when a woman is left uh, as a widow, her husband dies, she is now a widow. And so that is why God said, well, I was a husband to the people of Israel, but due to sin, God forsook them and they were left alone without God, just like a widow. So he came to comfort all who mourn. So their hearts were without God. And our Lord Jesus Christ came to work that miracle, came to do the work of reconciling, reconciling all people, all those who were far from God, who had been turned away from God and God was upset. It said that the Lord came to reconcile, to unify and join. How? Well, with the help of the Holy Spirit. In verse number three. Now, what else would the Savior come to do? Well, to console those who mourn in Zion. Those who mourn in Zion are those who would believe in the Lord and who would belong to the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's remember the Lord, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ is called Zion or the heavenly Jerusalem or that spiritual Jerusalem. And it says that he would come to console those who mourn, to give them beauty for ashes and to give them oil for of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. This was the promise for that future. The promise for that future, a future of which we are already living. We're living this future. And if we can say as well here that none of us, none of us could say that we are mourning or that we have bitterness or our spirit is heavy because we have known this living God, this Savior, this King who has come to speak and to proclaim that good, the good tidings and to tell people to believe and trust in me Follow me because I am the way. And so, the Lord, what has he done from that time? Well, these prophecies, they have come to pass many years, many centuries later with the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it is very important for us to read, for us to go back in time, just as we are doing so now, reading about the promise of the Father that was made through Isaiah. And we see that these promises have been fulfilled for over 2,000 years now. They have been coming to pass, and they come to pass today in our lives. So this is why we cannot deny that God exists. We cannot deny that our Father sent His Son, Jesus Christ, because we have seen His glory. We have seen His wonders. We have seen the way that He has acted. We have seen His hand in the life of us all. How can we doubt him? And so let us continue here, having gone back in time now where it says, now in verse 4, that says that after the Lord has called us all those trees of righteousness, those who believe in the Lord, he says, and they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations and they shall repair the ruined cities. 
the desolations of many generations. So here, God was speaking in that time that there would be restoration. But it was not something physical. It was not that people would once again rebuild the cities and the towns that had been destroyed due to the wars, nor that they were going to rebuild those physical temples like the ones that they had had in the past, or to rebuild that temple that Solomon had built. That is not what this was referencing. This here references the spiritual life of men and women who lived in slavery and bondage, but once having our Lord Jesus Christ come, He has brought all to freedom. All are free. We are free in the Lord. So we can then say, in the past, we were ruins. And the Lord has restored us. He has brought us out of that bondage, and now we are free. And we are with God. We live with God. This is what's important, to believe in the Lord in order to be free and to live our life with Christ, to live peace, to live happiness, happiness and joy to live with God's protection because God protects God provides all that is necessary we lack nothing all those who follow him and believe in him and serve him so these people here in verse 5 and strangers shall stand and feed your flocks now this is not concerning physical sheep or flocks but as he was speaking to the people of Israel, he was speaking to them of these strangers, and these strangers are the Gentiles. So we consider ourselves to be Gentiles or strangers. And it says here that they will stand and feed your flocks, meaning that it would be one nation, one people, one flock, one fold of men and women believing or believers in Jesus Christ, believers of the gospel. And so these Gentiles, they too would be preaching and teaching the gospel to all who once were the people of God. And so they too would be shepherding and feeding those flocks and those strangers. It says they shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. So the Lord here was showing the unity that there no longer would be Israelites, that there would no longer be the people of Israel separated away from the Gentiles or from the strangers, but that all of them, those who believe in the Lord and accepted this path that God was offering and that it was a reality with the life and the acts of our Lord Jesus Christ here on earth, that they would be one, one people all working one for each other, evangelizing and praying for one another and imparting and, and, and working those spiritual gifts for one another. This is what the Lord spoke through Isaiah, making these beautiful promises for that future, that future that came to pass with Christ and continues to come to pass with us. Now in verse 6, But you shall be named the priests of the Lord, you being the believers in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, those who follow the gospel and keep the commandments of the Lord. It says, but you shall be named the priests of the Lord. Verse 6, they shall call you the servants of our God. You shall eat the riches of the Gentiles, meaning you will enjoy all of the blessings that God has in store or God, all the blessings God has in the world for all his believers and their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor, and instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. So these are all spiritual blessings God was offering. But here, God makes these promises and also mentioning physical, material things so that people could understand things better uh, concerning what they would be receiving in the future. Now in verse 8, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery for burnt offering. I will direct their work in truth, and I will make with them an everlasting covenant. And he was making this covenant with them, the believers, the followers of the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 9, their descendants, it says, shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. 
All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. So this, these are the marvelous, wonderful promises God made through Isaiah for the believers of this path of the true gospel of the Lord. That they would enjoy all these blessings. And not just in one nation or people, but in all the world. In all nations, there would be people, there will be believers who would convert to the Lord and they would be enjoying all of these wonders and blessings God has for his followers. Verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Who has he clothed? His believers, women and men from all over the world, believers who form the church of God. He says he will clothe them. He clothes them and is clothing them with garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden causes things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Now, here we have this promise of freedom. The freedom that the Apostle Paul spoke of, and he said, be very careful with the freedom God has given you. Be careful. Be careful. Do not be careless. Do not turn back. But continue forward until the very end of your days. Continue until you reach that goal. This is the freedom that we must take advantage of. Here in 2 Corinthians, it also speaks to us. The apostle reminds us, 2 Corinthians 3.17. 2 Corinthians, this is a New Testament, uh, 3.17. The apostle was reminding the believers and highlighting, the apostle was highlighting the ministry of this new covenant. This new covenant is the gospel of Christ. And I repeat this many times because there are people who don't understand and are confused and they start to write to me and ask questions and they say, I, I didn't understand this and that. This is why I repeat things many times so that things are clear. So in 317, the Apostle Paul, when he was speaking of the ministry God has given to all the apostles of preaching this wonderful gospel and speaking of this freedom, this liberty that Jesus Christ has given through his sacrifice on the cross of, the, of Calvary and with the help of the Holy Spirit of God who came to the world to earth and to live in the hearts of the followers of our God. And so this wonderful liberty, we must be very careful with not losing it, not losing this liberty. So this is why he highlighted in verse 17, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 reads, or we'll start in verse 16, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, so when all those who were under the, the slavery of the law of Moses when they open their eyes, because God will open their eyes, then they will convert to the Lord in the gospel. It says that the veil is taken away. A veil is taken away because that veil is not allowing them to understand and comprehend the doctrine. But some, some of them will have that veil taken away because they will have a prepared heart for God. But it says when they, when one turns to the Lord, those who have been slaves to the law of Moses, that veil will be taken away. Because by being slaves to that law of Moses, they were left as slaves to sin and the devil because they were not able to change and to keep the commandments. That is what happened. Now in verse 17, it says... Now, the Lord is the Spirit. It says the Lord Jesus Christ, He is the same Spirit of God. And where or wherever it, that Spirit manifests or wherever that Spirit of the Lord is acting in the heart or the person who has a heart that is prepared to have the Spirit of God to remain in them, so where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. 
there where? Well, in the heart. In the hearts of men and women who have prepared themselves to receive the Lord. They've believed Him. They live with God. The Spirit of God dwells in their heart. So, it says that the Lord is the Spirit. He is the same. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty in that heart of that man, of that woman, or of those thousands of men or thousands of women who convert to God. If the Spirit of God is there in their heart, well, there is liberty. Why liberty? Well, no longer are we slaves. No longer is there the bondage of sin. Because what does the Holy Spirit do? When the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the hearts of men and women who are believers and who accept the Lord, who believe and do God's will, what happens is that the Holy Spirit takes away that sinning appetite, that appetite of the flesh of wanting to sin. The Holy Spirit cleanses in such a way that a person sees things but no longer has an appetite to do things, or there's no longer a desire in that person to do what they were doing before, that has been taken away from them. And in no longer having that sinning appetite, well, they are free. They feel free. They no longer feel like a slave to sin, a slave to the devil. They don't feel dominated by the devil. They're free. And so God blesses them. And this person, God then comes and gives them power and empowers them in such a way that this person has the authority to pray and to rebuke the enemy, to rebuke the devil, to rebuke temptations and everything that the devil may want to present before them, temptations and traps. So that person has that uh, ability and power and God God supports them and they say, no, I am free from this. I've turned into a son or daughter of God. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a believer. I follow this gospel. I follow this path, this righteous path of God. God is with me. God is with us. So this is what God does in our lives. And this is that liberty or freedom. This is why now going back to Galatians, Going back to Galatians chapter number 5. The apostle says, stand fast. Stand fast in the liberty by which Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. So do not be entangled with that yoke of bondage, but be free. Now, even people who have practiced idolatry for their entire life because there are so many places, so many countries where people practice idolatry. There are many gods of different sorts and they have different names. There is a, a god for everything. The god of rain, the god of thunder, the god of lightning, the god of harvest, the god of love, the god of shortage and abundance. And so there are so many gods and they form these idols and they worship them. These people, they are too slaves. They are slaves of their beliefs, slaves of the devil. The devil has them enslaved. These people don't have peace or joy. They are trapped under in, in, in dungeons and places like this where they can't see the sun, where they can't see the light. Just like in antiquity, when there was this kind of torment that, and torture that people went through, this is how the devil too enslaves people. And though a person lives in life and is surrounded by many people, they still, still feel that they are enslaved and without light, that they are living in a prison because of their beliefs and religion, because the devil has them enslaved and not free. So who gives us true freedom and liberty is our Lord Jesus Christ. He is who has made us free. So today, many people even to this day are still slaves of the devil. 
and they are suffering and they are being tormented by the devil. And how many people today we see that are being tormented by witchcraft, by sorcery, and they are in abundance among society and people suffer and people live a, a bitter life of loneliness and desolation. But if people were to know God, if people would worry about reading the Bible and to find God and to know Him, life and these people's situation would be different. But that's not the case because the devil has them enslaved. But someone could make an effort and fight. Today, there are so many methods for us to find the path of God. There's many different ways. There's the internet, where on the internet, online, if you want to maybe find, I want to find a Bible and I want to read the Bible where it speaks about Jesus Christ and I want it to talk to me about God, you can go on the internet and you can find it. It says, read this here, this is where you find it. There's a greater ease, not like it was before, where there was a lot of ignorance about the scriptures and the word of God. People didn't have it at their reach. They didn't have a Bible at their reach. Today, the Bible is easily attained through the internet. It's available for everyone. And so you need to read the Bible in order to find that path and to be free from slavery. And those, those who are within the church who have converted or at least have been in the church for some years, 5, 10, 15, 20 years in the church, do not walk away from this freedom God has given you. Do not turn back. Do not regress. So this is the advice. And we must va value this because those who have already come to church and God and made them promises, do not turn back from the path. Continue forward because you cannot continue living in that bondage. You cannot live in that darkness, ignoring the things of God and suffering aside from that without being with God. And so the apostle here in verse 3, and he says, And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. So the Apostle Paul greatly emphasized among the Jews the law of Moses because in that time the religions that existed were really only the law of Moses and then there came the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That apparently for them it was the new religion. According to them it was a new religion and paganism that existed at the time, which was idolatry, and that existed among the other nations. So this is why the apostle always focused here in his teachings. He focused a lot upon the law of Moses. But today, not only do we have the law of Moses present in the world, there's millions of religions, and there's millions of beliefs and millions of people who are so-called Christians. There are thousands of denominations who are so-called Christians and read the Bible, but they do not have God. They do not have the Spirit of God that is guiding them and leading them and teaching them the right path, that upright path. They do not have that. So today, we too, we're going to focus on people turning away from those twisted paths, those erroneous paths that that religion, whatever religion it is, has shown them in their lives because this is not giving them peace, this is not giving them joy. This will not give them eternal life. We must follow the path of perfection, which is that in which a man or woman knows the word of God, knows the commandments, and turns away from sin with God's help, and they begin to live the life of the Holy Spirit and His wonderful spiritual gifts. To live life and to live with the Spirit of God, to be guided by God's Spirit. That the Spirit of God dwells in the hearts. This is the true religion. And so I continue reading here where the apostle, he was focusing on here. He was focusing on the Jews. Now I will focus on the other religions here in verse 5. For we, through the Spirit, 
eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. And the circumcision is what was focused upon the law of Moses. Now, there were believers in that time, already in the church, Christians, and they had turned back. They had once again returned to the law of Moses. So the apostle was very sad in seeing that people were wasting their time. They had not taken advantage of the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit, but rather they had turned back to continue with the previous and past religion. The past religion that never freed them from their slavery. And so today, we could probably say the same thing to people. If you say you're a Christian and you read the Bible and that you're a Christian, well, I congratulate you. But keep in mind, you need to be guided by the Spirit of God. You need to live a spiritual life, meaning a life without sin. When people, men and women, when they stop sinning, well, then it is said that they live a spiritual life. It's not that they're walking on air. No, it means you're not sinning. And you might say, well, what are the sins? Well, the Bible here, it lists them out for you, and it mentions everything that is a sin so that you may read and find what those sins are and how many sins there are. And even on the internet, you can ask how many sins exist and have them list you some. I'm sure it will provide you with that because they base themselves off of what the Bible says to give that information. So people, those who do not sin because they are pleasing God, they are following God's path, they are being guided by the Spirit of the Lord, well, then it is said that this person now is free. This person is now spiritual. This is what we call a spiritual person. But a person who sins constantly, and they're always cursing and speaking obscenities and, dr and drunk and uncleanly things with kidnapping, thefts, all of these sorts of things, if they are doing that, well, then this person is not living a spiritual life. If they turn away from that, well, then it is said that they are living a spiritual life with God. This is what we are fighting for here and what we're preaching and what we're teaching people. Now, there are because there are thousands of religions and people might say, well, I too read the Bible just like you, but it's this. Yes, you read it, but how do you read it? Spiritually or are you reading it historically or you're reading it because it's just a tale, a story, and you think it's it's nice what, what the stories that are shared about these people. So how are you reading the Bible? You need to read the Bible in a sense of wanting to find deep doctrine and wanting to find that path that we need to follow in order to please God. That is the correct way of reading the Bible. And this is why when we read here in 2 Corinthians 3.17, where it says, wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, where the Spirit of God is, which needs to be in the hearts of men and women, well, there is liberty. There is liberty. And I would even add to that and say, and you live a spiritual life. And in verse 7, so the apostle in verse 7, you ran well, meaning that they were doing things right. They were following the gospel, a Christian life, the life in the Lord. They were doing things well, but what happened? It says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? What happened? Well, no, of course, of, of course, it was the, the devil, the enemy. He stood in the path of these people to cause them to turn back and to lose their blessings. Now, today, the same occurs with many people who, while they're in the correct path and they are enjoying those spiritual blessings and the promise of the Lord and the spiritual gifts, they turn back. They turn back because something has gotten in the way. Someone, the enemy. So 
this is what we need to fight against. We must fight and we need to stand fast in what we have learned and what God has given us. You have come to the church for the first time. God has spoken to you, made you promises, and you fell in love with God. You loved and you were pleased with these things. So continue forward. Continue seeking. Continue investigating until God manifests in your life and teaches you and takes you by the hand and gives you joy. Because God is who gives joy. Now let's continue here then in what the Apostle Paul is telling the Galatians. And he says in verse 8, This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Now he was worried to see that they had turned back. And he says, well, this is not good testimony. And it says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. So he said he's saying that it contaminates it. So he is saying if there is someone who is here, who is serving maybe as a temptation, as a trap in your spiritual life, in in your the, the path that you're leading, well then it says that you will be contaminated and everyone else will too. If you have doubts, if you say, oh, I don't believe, or maybe I, I, I do, or maybe I don't, or I'll do this, or I, I won't. I'll live my life in the world. I like the pleasures of the world. I like the passions of the world. And so you are contaminating. You are like that leaven. You are leavening the rest of the lump. You are contaminating the spiritual life of others who are hearing you, who are seeing you. So you are, they're contaminated and they are also discouraged. And that's what God does not want. This is what God does not want. He doesn't want us to be a stumbling stone in the lives of others, but that we should be a good example, that we have a good testimony for the life of others. And that starts off at home, in our personal life, setting that good example, having a good testimony. And you do so at home and then with those outside. So it says, let's not be leaven. Do not be that leaven, but rather be unique, each of you, with your criteria, with being self-autonomous, having conviction and security and confidence in the Lord. And in verse 10, the, the apostle says, I have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is, meaning whoever that person who was having a bad testimony in your spiritual life. He says, and I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Now, as the Apostle Paul was a Jew, he says, if I was preaching circumcision to you, well, then why am I here suffering? I'm suffering here because I stopped preaching circumcision, meaning I stopped preaching the law of Moses. When he speaks here in the term of circumcision, it is in reference to the law of Moses. He says, if I preach, well, then I would be persecuted. And if I'm persecuted because I'm preaching the truth of God, I'm preaching the gospel. So he was speaking to them clearly and saying, no, I am no longer preaching the law of Moses. I was a Jew, yes, but now I'm in the new path of the good tidings of the new method of salvation. I am involved in that, in the glorious work of the Spirit of God. I'm involved in that, which is what he wanted to clarify to these people. And in verse number 12, now it seems as though as they had turned back from the path of our Lord, they had turned away and gone back to the law of Moses. In verse 12, he says, I could wish that those who trouble you. Now, in that time, what was happening was that the group of believers in Christ who had come out of Judaism and from the law of Moses, they were all in the church, but the devil was using some to be a stumbling stone in their lives and was forcing them to be circumcised. So the apostle, very upset about this, he says, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. Those who are forcing you to circumcise themselves, I hope that they would cut themselves rather than be doing this to you and stealing your spiritual life, taking away your faith in the Lord, taking away the blessings that you will be receiving in the Lord just because you are going to turn back again. So this is why the apostle says, I wish they would even cut themselves off. Verse 13, 
13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Now, in, in verse 12, I'm going to go back because it says, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off because here he was teaching that back then they were forcing them to be circumcised. They were forcing them and the circumcision, it was a small surgery in a, a member of the male, the, the male member. This is why he says, whoever forces you to circumcise themselves, I'd rather that they cut themselves, let them do it, is what he was saying. Now I'm clarifying this because maybe there are some people who don't understand or know about what is being spoken of here. So in verse 13, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Called to liberty. You are now free. You no longer live under bondage or the law of Moses or under the slavery of religious beliefs, of paganism and idolatry. You're no longer slaves to these things. You are free. In the gospel, the true gospel of Christ, people are now free. It says, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So he tells them, so do not turn that liberty God has given you. Do not abuse that liberty. Don't abuse it. He says, you have to be careful with this liberty God has given you. It's not for you to then abuse it and then you start to sin and to worsen things and to turn away from the life in the Lord because you don't know how to truly take advantage of the opportunities God gives. So he says, be prudent, be very moderate, be careful in how you live your life and how you act and proceed. This is what he is saying so that they do not abuse that liberty. Now in verse 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. So all the law of Moses is fulfilled in one word or phrase. It says here, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now when he says you shall love your neighbor as yourself, it's not to say like, People think that loving your neighbor is saying, oh, I love you, I love you, and that's it. No. Loving your neighbor is not harming your neighbor, is not hurting your neighbor, it's not offending your neighbor, not hurting them in any way, not uh, belittling them or humiliating or insulting them, not judging them and not slandering them, not being unfaithful to them and not going and accusing them of something that they haven't done, not have them falsely imprisoned, uh, not conning them. So many things not to do against your neighbor. That is loving your neighbor. Why do you offend him? Why do you hurt him? Why do you make him doubt? Why are you an enemy to him? Why do you hold grudges or resentment? That is that loving your neighbor. It, it's not doing any of those bad things against another human being, against another person. That is what it means to love your neighbor. And so it says that all of the law, all of, all of the commandments of God, are all tied into loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's so easy to understand, brothers and sisters. It's so easy because it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Do we love ourselves? Now, do you think and say, do you love yourself? Do you want the best for yourself, right? You don't want a person to even come and pinch you, right? That doesn't make you happy. For someone to come and pinch you very hard? No, no, it hurts. Don't do that to me. That hurts me that so we want the best for ourselves we want to not be hungry to not be cold to not be sad we don't want to be short on anything that everything goes well for us that we are happy that everyone understands me and loves me that I find everything with ease that's what we want for ourselves right that's it, brothers and sisters, and those who are listening. So, it says that I, I need to love my neighbor, which are other people who are close to me, those who know me, 
or that I know, starting from my home and, and, and everywhere else, everyone who knows me and surrounds me at home, at school, at work, uh, when I travel, people that are close, they are your neighbor. Even your family at home, they are your neighbor. So, if I love them, I need to love them like myself. So what do I want from myself? Would I like to be humiliated? Would I like to, for someone to be unfaithful to me and to be hip hypocrites with me? No, I don't want that. Well, since I don't want that for myself, well, then I won't do that against others. And so that is where those Ten Commandments are fulfilled in one, it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Is it difficult? I don't think it is. If we have God, if we have the Spirit of God with us in our lives, in our heart, it's not hard because God is there and He changes us. He gives us love and affection and understanding and mercy, patience. God gives us everything so that we are able to bear with all people and so this is then fulfilled. It's fulfilled that what I want for myself, I do for others. I hope that this term is clear. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And this is beautiful. And we must ask God to help us. And the apostle says, But if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Now, I don't know if maybe you'll allow, please, to give me some additional minutes more. Because what continues here what continues is what we should not do and what we should do to prove that we are loving our neighbor, to prove that we love our neighbor. And how should we love our neighbor? Here, there are some examples here of what continues on. And it is regarding the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit of God, He gives us fruits for us to bear fruits, and we're going to look and say, well, it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, we know to walk in the Spirit is not to, not to sin, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. So, these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So, my flesh demands that I do bad things, sinful things, but the Spirit, the Spirit of God, who comes to me, He takes that away and says, no, do not do it. Do not do it. So, they are contrary to one another. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Holy Spirit, that spirit, well, then you are not under that law or under that bondage. Because in being led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, look at what the Holy Spirit gives us. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are evident, which are, now I hope everyone is reading, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, curses, verse 21, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand. Now, it says that this is just a few of the things that are listed. Just a few things. But as you can see from that, everything that has been listed are the works of our flesh. What our flesh wants. But when the Spirit of God comes to us, when we've converted to God and we have the Spirit of the Lord with us, well, He does not allow our flesh to fall into these traps because what he wants is that we love our neighbor as ourselves, always wanting the best. And so here, it starts to then distinguish the difference between what our flesh wants and what the Spirit of God does for us. And in this way, we are able to then say, I do love my neighbor and blessed is the Lord, and I hope that is that is attained. Now here, 
It says, 21 enemy murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those who practice those things, and even more, because there are many more things. There's a huge list, too long, listing out all the bad things and sins that are done in the flesh. And it says, those who practice those things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but those who convert to God, those who have the true gospel, they will change because the Holy Spirit comes to them and takes away all of these things and will give them something beautiful in exchange. This is what's, what he will give them, verse 22. But the fruit, those who convert, but the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And please, please read along with me that the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Glory to the Lord. Blessed is the Lord. Don't you think it's so beautiful? what the Spirit of God gives. When we convert to the true gospel of the Lord, the Spirit of God gives us all of these things. And so then I can say, I love my neighbor. I can say that. I love my neighbor. Because just as I want the best for myself, I also want it for my neighbor. And so how beautiful it is. And look at the great difference there is between living under the commandment of God, under the grace of the Spirit of God and His wonderful spiritual gifts, what a difference it is to then go live under that yoke of bondage and slavery and sin. That's the great difference. And so to love your neighbor, how beautiful it is. We please God with that. And in verse 24, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh, meaning with all of their passions and desires, our sinning tendencies that we had, it says that they have been sacrificed, they have been crucified with having accepted our God of glory, with having accepted this wonderful gospel, the good tidings, the freedom, the liberty God is offering, and that many of us are already living this wonderful freedom of our God. So it says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, the Spirit of God, let us also walk in the Spirit of God. Let us not become conceited. Let us not become or conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so once again, he begins later on to admonish people. For people need to live a spiritual life. And now you understand what it means to live a spiritual life? That when you live a spiritual life, which is not to sin, but rather having the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that you have love, that you have joy, peace, and long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that you have affection, love, that you do all of these things which are the fruits of the Spirit of God and what God gives, so then you can say, I love my neighbor. Blessed is the name of the Lord. And not only that, loving your neighbor, but loving God. You say you will love your God above all things, above myself, and then love your neighbor. So what is that? Well, it's not to sin and to have the Spirit of God with us and the wonderful spiritual gifts. And so I invite you to continue reading the Bible. Read the Bible and ask God to give you His Spirit. May God bless you greatly. Let us now pray to our Father, O oh, blessed Almighty God. Thank you, Holy Father, for the scripture, for the reflection. Thank you for this teaching. Thank you, Lord, because you help us. You help clarify doubts. You help us and you encourage us to continue forward. You motivate us, Lord, because your Holy Spirit is with us. 
because your power is with us, because your mercy, your love is with us. Your mighty hand, you constantly bring it in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you because you take us by your glorious hand. And we want to do your will. We want to please you in all things. We want to keep all your commandments, Lord. Only with your help will we achieve this. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my Lord, for your love and your, your kindness. And now, Lord, in the midst of your love and your mercy and promises, I ask that you stretch out your mighty hand and your healing hand upon all people, men and women, the elderly and children, those who are ill, those who are in hospitals, those who are in their homes, on their bed, sick, laid down, all of those who are in wheelchairs, all the people who are born with Down syndrome, with autism, all the people who have epileptic attacks and who are not able to reason and coordinate their thoughts, I pray that you stretch out your healing miraculous hand and you heal them, that you deliver them because they are slaves to that sickness as well. And aside from the slavery to the enemy, that illness also enslaves them. And I pray that you have mercy and that you deliver them. There are many people, many people that are victims of witchcraft and sorcery. I pray, Lord, that you rebuke those malignant spirits and that you remove all of these curses and that you free each person, that you hear their prayers, hear their, their pleas. They cry out to you and ask in prayer. If they don't know how to pray, have mercy of them. Teach them and help them, my Father, so that they all may receive their blessings, so that they all may receive that benefit and that healing of their bodies, because there are many people whose skin is ill, their bones are ill, their internal organs are ill. You know these things. You know each person, and you know their illness. Holy Father, I pray for your miracles and signs all according to your wonderful promises that you have made us for some time now. Thank you, my Father. In the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, we pray all these things. The honor and the glory is for you, Lord, now and evermore. Amen. Let us sing to the Lord, chorus number 137, titled, Oh, What a Wonder. Que maravilla que Cristo me halló. Y por su gracia mi alma salvó. Qué maravilla me infunde alegría, pues todas mis culpas su sangre borró. Qué maravilla que Cristo me halló. Su gracia mi alma salvó. Qué maravilla me infunde alegría, pues todas mis culpas su sangre borró. Blessed and praised is our Lord, and thanks we give to our God, our Father for this opportunity today to be with you all, my dear brothers and sisters and all our newcomers and our first-time guests. May God bless you greatly and a big hug to you all. And for all the children, many kisses because yes, I need to send those kisses to the children. Thank you and until next time, God bless you. <laughs>